0: The word that I want to bring us this morning is slightly pertinent to this weekend. Because on Canada Day, obviously, the the goal of Canada Day is that we're supposed to not just get a day off of work. Uh, We're supposed to stop and think and be thankful for this country that we live in, right? And if you are someone that lives in Canada, which I think all of you are, I don't want to tell you how to feel, But you should be super, 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 super thankful to live in this country. Even if your life is really difficult, even if you've got all kinds of hard circumstances, you as a Canadian are blessed beyond measure. You think of it this way. We live in this beautiful country. We live in a free country. I mean, more or less, you're allowed to go where you want and do what you want when you want. It's a fairly compared to some places a safe country like we're not everywhere we go looking around like this worried for our safety you can get into your car drive on paved roads go to the grocery store buy whatever food you want or need bring it home put it in your fridge which is powered by electricity in your home with a roof over your head like all of that in and of its uh, alone is more than a lot of people in the world have. You can turn on the tap and out comes fresh, clean water. The joke is, unless you live in St. John, then you turn on the tap and you get some other kind of substance that looks like water, but probably isn't. Thank you. You are super blessed and I am super blessed and we ought to be super, super thankful to God for this place that we live because it's amazing. Now, Having said that, I don't say the following to put any sort of shroud of ungratefulness over the whole Canada Day thing, but if we're being really honest, even though we're thankful to be Canadian and we're thankful for all of the blessings that we have for living in Canada, if we're being really honest, these days it's getting a little bit more frustrating with some of the decisions that are being made in Canada, It's becoming a little more frustrating to be a Christian in a culture where it seems like God is the last thing on anybody's mind, and the directions we're going, and the things that the culture as a whole is starting to stand for and embrace and really celebrate. It's frustrating as Christians. Am I talking to anybody? The reason why we're seeing the culture go the way it's going is because we are considered in Canada to be a post-Christian culture. Somebody say post-Christian. Post being like after, like we've moved on past this whole Christianity thing. Like God was an important part of our heritage and our past, but we've been enlightened and we've moved on from that and now we don't need that anymore. That's, that's the direction the culture is going. And as the culture becomes more and more, Post Christian, as we move further and further from God as a society, like I'm painting with broad strokes here, as we move further from God, well, it's no wonder that some of the things you start to see in the world are crazy and are wicked and they're just overtly sinful and wrong. You know what I'm saying? Today, the evil doesn't even try to hide anymore, it's just overtly out there. Well, that shouldn't surprise us at all. And by the way, I'm not standing up here pining and lamenting over the good old days either, right? probably they were never really that good. No, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm being serious. I was talking to a senior saint in our church a while ago, and she said to me, we were talking about, you know, days gone by, like 60, 70 years ago, let's say. And uh, she said to me, you know what, Braden? She said, we were just as bad back then as we are now. And I said, that'll <laughs> preach, sister. Right? The only difference is, as a culture, like individual people, we've always needed Jesus. We've always been sinful. We've always needed to be saved, all that stuff. But as a society, as a culture, right, we're going in directions that we've never gone before. We're taking steps we've never taken before. We're valuing and holding things up that in generations past we never would have thought we would have done. And I'm going to go ahead and not even fill in the blanks for you about what some of those things are. Use your imagination, there's many of them. All over the place. Here's the, here's the point. Here's where we're left with all of that. What are we supposed to do, right? How, how are we supposed to navigate this terrain of, on the one hand, we're citizens of heaven. Did you know as a Christian this morning you're a citizen of heaven? That's what it says in Philippians chapter 3. From, uh, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your home is in heaven. Your home is with Jesus, and that's good, but how do we navigate that? How do we, how do we grapple with that, but also the fact that right now, we live here? Yes, God has a life for you in eternity, and it's gonna be awesome, and I'm glad you're gonna be there. We'll hang out, right? But right now, like God cares about the here and now too. How are we supposed to navigate that while being a citizen of heaven in this corrupted culture? That's what I wanna talk about today. And the answer lies in this concept. You've probably heard of it before. It's called being in the world but not of the world. Did you ever hear of that before? You do me a favor. Say, it, say that with me. Be in the world, not of the world. We're going to unpack that. And the first thing I want to do is talk about not being of the world. Point number one is this. If you want to navigate successfully this tricky terrain of, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a citizen of heaven, but I live here in this fallen, corrupted society, the first thing you've got to do is don't be like the world. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't be like the world. Don't be like the world. Flip open in your Bible to John chapter 17 if you got it on you this morning. John 17. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying... And he says in verse 14, he says, I have given them, his disciples, that would be including us, I have given them your word and the world has hated them, us, because they, we, are not of the world just as I, Jesus, am not of the world. You, you scroll down to verse 16 as well. He says the same thing again. They, we, are not of the world just as I, Jesus, am not of the world. Now, that word world that he's using is used a couple different ways in Scripture, right? You think of the John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's talking about like each individual person in the world, each fallen, sinful, needing to be saved person in the world. God loves the world in that way. But in another sense of the word world, It's used to talk about the culture, the society, the world at large, the the prevailing thought of our day. And that usage of the word world in the Scriptures is almost always negative. And it is here as well. The clear impetus, the clear directive given by Jesus is that we are not supposed to be like the world. I mean, I could point you to many other verses too, but even in just those two verses, we're supposed to look different from the world because you and I, Christians, are not of the world. And we're not supposed to look different from the world just for the sake of being different. It's not change just for change because that's usually annoying. No, we're supposed to be different from the world because remember, God and the world are at odds with each other. The world is moving on past God. And well, we're not supposed to fall into that camp at all because if you as a Christian look just like the world, oh, and then, then you're not holding up your end of the stick as a citizen of heaven, Right? You see what I'm saying? So, in a culture that is moving further and further from God, what we need to celebrate and champion in the church is getting close to God, as close to God as possible. Having that relationship with God, so critical. In a culture that is all about living your truth, right? Just to thine own self be true. Well, in the church, we need to champion this idea of valuing and living by God's truth, not our own truth. We lean on his truth, not our own understanding. In this culture that celebrates pride and affirmation, right? We need to champion in the church humility and repentance. It's different. See, it's different than what the world does. But here's the rub. Some Christians look just like the world. I have looked just like the world in my walk. And we all have our moments, okay, before we like completely run ourselves down here. We all have our moments. We all have our days. God has grace for you. It's cool. But I'm talking about chronically all the time, ongoing. Some Christians, some people that claim the name of Jesus repeatedly, indefinitely look just like the world and do just what everyone else is doing. That's a problem. That's not good. Sometimes it's because as Christians, we're just completely switched off. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you know what that's like. You just, yeah, I've got some affinity for Jesus in my mind and and that is all kind of agreeable to me and I might even darken the door of the church building once in a while if nothing better comes up that I'd rather do. I guess I'm here today because it's rainy out all weekend. Wink, wink, I'm just making fun of you, right? But you know, outside of that, when I leave the door on Sunday afternoon and until I come back, the next time I'm here, I'm not really thinking about God. I'm just doing my own thing, living how I want, trying to just blend in and fit in with what everybody else is doing like a normal person does. That's not gonna work. That's not gonna cut it. Sometimes as well, maybe you've heard of this, some Christians look just like the world by choice. Some whole churches do this. Maybe you've heard something like this. I've heard of churches that say, well, we wanna be relevant in the culture. Do you ever hear that, the relevant thing? There's like this much truth and good in that. I get it. Let's not unnecessarily do things that alienate us from people that don't know Jesus. But usually when people say, well, we wanna be relevant, what that means is there's certain parts of the Bible that are offensive in the culture that people reject in the culture. Why, and we don't want to stand out and we don't want them to look at us funny or treat us bad, so we'll just forget about those parts of the Scripture. We'll just say, well, that's not what it really means. Maybe we won't talk about it at all. We'll just talk about other things. Or we'll just, we'll just water down the truth of the Scripture, You know what that's usually code for? We're too chicken to stand on what God says in his word. We're afraid of what's going to happen to us if we actually stand on this. So we're going to just blend in. We're going to compromise and blend in like a chameleon. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because when you do that, man, there is no truth there at all. If you look just like the world as a Christian, there is no truth. There's certainly no power there. There's certainly no favor from God there. God's not gonna bless that if that's your attitude. Matter of fact, it says in James chapter four to be a friend of the world, AKA to cozy up to the ways and the systems and the patterns of this world and just look like what everyone else in the world is doing. It says when we do that, we make ourselves enemies of God. Doesn't work. Not gonna cut it. I'll remind you, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse two, do not be conformed to the pattern of what? This world. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't just fall into the rut that everybody else falls into. Do the very same things everyone else is doing. No, it says instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice that the, the life that God has for you as a Christian is one of transformation, not of confirmation, to just go with the flow. He wants to transform you. He wants to change you. He wants you to look different. And that happens in all kinds of ways, but you know where that starts? It starts by you pouring into that relationship and abiding in Christ. It's not about you trying really hard to be different. Right? Yes, we have to try. But it's not about, man, I'm just going to really pull on my bootstraps and I'm going to try really hard and my effort. and da, da, da. No, 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 no. Your effort, probably not good enough. My effort, probably not good enough. Jesus changes you. I always point us back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says that as we behold the glory of the Lord, a.k.a. as we sit at His feet, as we abide in Him, as we invest in our relationship with Him, It says we are changed. Somebody say changed. Changed. We are changed from one degree of glory to the next after his image is what it says. When you get with Jesus, you change. He changes you. When you're in his word, he changes you. When you're in prayer, he changes you. When you serve, he changes you. When you sit in silence, just sitting at his feet, he changes you. When you pray and fast, he changes you. All the spiritual disciplines, I can't go deep on those today, but you get it. You spend time with Jesus, you change. And when you spend time with Jesus and change, you're going to look different from the rest of the world. See what I'm saying here? So, here's the question. Don't answer this out loud. What do you look like? What do I look like? Definitely don't answer that one out loud. What do you look like in your life right now? Here's something really cool that happens about this time of year. This year it's happening by miracle. You'll know what I mean in a second. This time of year, like right around early July, you start to be able to tell who's been outside and who has not been outside. Right? Some of you guys, I'm even looking around the room right now and I can see some of you guys have been spending time outside. You're getting tanned. I don't know how you're getting tanned. Tanning bed. Somebody up in here is going to a tanning bed. Anyway, whatever. Because you can tell. And some of you guys, I mean this not in the least bit of an offensive way. I can tell you have not been outside very much. You know what I'm saying? You've been working in the basement on your laptop. I get it. It's cool. Because as you've been spending time in the sun, you're tanning. If you're spending time inside... You're maybe a little more on the pasty side. Well, in a different but similar way, it's the same as Christians. You can tell when you evaluate your own life what you look like. You can tell a tree by its fruit. If you are starting to look more and more like Jesus, I'm telling you that you're on track and your heart is in the right place and you're doing good. Keep going. But I'm saying if you look at your life and go, wow, how am I any different than anyone else in the world? And if you can't think of any examples... That's a sign right there. Perhaps I'm conforming to the pattern of this world. Perhaps I'm not navigating this terrain as well as I ought to be. And if, if you surmise that that is the place that you are in, you say, I, I've been taking my cues more from the world than from the word of God. I'm looking more like the world than I am my savior. My head and my heart are consumed with the things of the world, not things that are above today is the day for you to repent you do not have to stay that way it's about getting honest with God and saying wow okay maybe I have not Lord been really pouring into this like I ought to be maybe I haven't been investing the way I should be maybe I haven't been spending the time with you I ought to be spending because I'm not seeing the change I'm not seeing the difference with me and anybody else You confess that to the Lord. You say, God, forgive me and change me and strengthen me and fill me with your spirit. And guess what? He'll do it. He'll do it because God has grace for you. This is not at all a word of condemnation. It's a word of invitation. We can stop just going through the motions and and camping out in that rut. We can seek Jesus and he's gonna change us and that's gonna make us look different from the world. You with me so far? Okay. Okay. The second thing is this, if we're going to navigate this terrain of being a citizen of heaven and being a citizen in this corrupt culture, if we're going to make the most of that on both fronts, the second thing we got to do is be engaged in the world. Somebody say be engaged in the world. It would be easy to hear the first bit, don't be like the world and go, "Oh, okay, the answer then is I'll just pull back. I'll retreat." It'll just be me and Jesus, never mind all you other people, all you sinners, all you heathens, all you whatever, right? Don't call somebody a heathen. They probably won't like it. I'll pull back. We'll do the thing like I'm now a monk at a monastery sitting there in a long flowy robe with my legs crossed doing this. and That's dumb, okay? Matter of fact, that's not what Jesus wants you to do at all. Still in John 17... For some reason, I closed my Bible. In John 17, verse 18, look at what Jesus says. Just so we don't, just so we don't fall into that trap of thinking, well, I, I just pull back. Never mind the world, never mind the people in it. Look what he says. Jesus says, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Just like Jesus was sent here into the world, he says to his followers, that would include you and I, if you're a Christian, he is sending you. He is sending you. It's not pull back and retreat. It's go into the world. That is a critical, critical part of our faith. Even though we are not supposed to look like the ways of the world, we must, we must be engaged with the people in the world. We must. You've heard me say this a lot. In your faith, it's not just you and Jesus. Like, that's important. But it's Jesus, others, and you. Always. Always. He is sending you out. You say, well, what's he sending me out to do? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I heard you asking, but you were just too nervous to ask out loud. I just, I could tell you were asking. He's sending you out to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, listen up. Listen up, all authority. Therefore, go, go into all the world, all around, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's what he wants you to do. I'll remind you, he said in Acts 1.8, he said, you're gonna be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Yes, if you're a Christian, he's talking to you. Yes, if you're having a hard time, he's talking to you. Yes, if you've been a Christian a short time or a long time, he's talking to you. He's talking to all of us. We are to go. And this discipleship thing, it's all about coming alongside people and helping them come to know Jesus and or grow in Jesus. Right? Let's not complicate this. It's not always, because I know where sometimes our mind goes with that. Oh. You're telling me, Brayden, that I got I to gotta go out to some busy street corner and I got to hop up on my soapbox with my megaphone and I'm going to yell at people and whack them with the Bible. Not really. Sidebar, if the Lord leads you to do street preaching, though, do it. It's powerful. I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just trying to, we have that image that comes into our mind, though. But what God is actually calling us to do is come alongside people, real people, and have real relationships with them through the ups and downs of real life. Have real, meaningful conversations with them. Enjoy the relationship and sow seed along the way as you go. And pray for the Holy Spirit to work in them on the way as you go. And when you get an opportunity to open your mouth and speak, you do it. You take it. You share the gospel. You share your faith. You share your testimony. Or maybe they're already a Christian. You build them up. You get into the word with them. Whatever it is, it's not rocket science, people. I'm not saying it's always easy to do, but it's so simple. And we just find all these reasons to not do it, right? I'll say it again. This is how simple it I can't deep dive on this today, but... Even just start. If you go, I have no idea where to start with that. Great, that's okay. Start with this. Start praying. Pray for opportunities. Pray for the Lord to give you a burden for someone on your heart or to line you up with someone maybe you don't even know yet. Pray for opportunities and for those relationships, for those people to come into your life. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Whatever, doesn't matter. Pray for that. And there are people in this room, I'm telling you, who can testify that this is their experience. When you start praying, Lord, put people on my heart, or just one person even. Put someone or multiple people on my heart that you want me to pour into in this season. Guess what the Lord does? He does it. (coughs) All of a sudden, you start having this sense in your gut, that person at work, or that person who you're related to, or that person you hang out at the bus stop with, or whatever it is you start to get a burden for them. You start to feel, wow, because you have the Holy Spirit, right? If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. He's gonna start stirring in you. Braden, you should get with that person. You should be looking for an opportunity to pour into that person. And as you're doing that, the Lord's gonna give you opportunities. Because here's another lie of the enemy, by the way. Here's what the enemy says. You don't really wanna share that because nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear it that gospel, that Jesus stuff, just put that away. No one cares about that today. We're a post-Christian culture. I'm here to tell you today, friends, there are still people in the world who care. There are still people who need to hear it and want to hear it. They're hungry for it. They're searching. The Bible would call them persons of peace, and they exist. Looking at the culture, you would think, well, nobody does. Yes, they do. Yes, they do, because God is still moving. God is still calling people. He's still stirring in people. So we gotta step out and the Lord is gonna line you up with those people. Pour into them, share the gospel or answer their questions or walk with them, whatever it is. It's a journey, but you gotta do it. It's not just a theory. It's something you've gotta do. So again, you don't have to answer this out loud. Well, don't answer this out loud, but who is the Lord giving you a burden for in your life? Who can you think of When you think, well, I don't know, is there anyone the Lord might be wanting me to disciple? Who comes to mind? Whose face do you picture? Who who, who is going through as your mind is, the gears are spinning in your mind right now? Be faithful in prayer for that person and then be faithful in pouring into that person as the Lord gives you opportunity to do it. Here's one other thing I'll say about this. It's not your job to change them. You can't change them. Forget about it. Married people, that should minister to you, right? You can't change. Anyway, it's not your job to change them. It's your job to be faithful and to bear witness. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can change somebody. So that's best left to the professionals, okay? You and I just have to be faithful in delivering the message. You say, "Braden, what in the blazes does this have to do with Canada Day? Well, I'm glad you asked that too, Right? It has everything to do with Canada today because if you want to see Canada, this country that you live in and love, because I heard you say you were glad to be here, if you want to see Canada get better, guess what? It's not through government reform. It's not through social policy. It's not through the roads getting paved. It's not through the fog burning off. It's not through any sort of human intervention. It's going to only be because revival comes to our nation. That's the only way. You want to see Canada, this country you live in, get better? People need Jesus. People need Jesus. Politicians need Jesus. Government leaders need Jesus. Civic leaders need Jesus. School teachers need Jesus. Parents need Jesus. Rich people need Jesus. Poor people need Jesus. Lonely people need Jesus. People that seem successful need Jesus. Are you seeing a theme and a pattern emerge here? And guess what? How are they going to know Jesus unless you tell them about him? How are they going to believe in him who they have not heard about? We have the news. We have the gospel. We have the message. We need to be engaged in the world with the best news, the only news that can save the world. We need to get going on this, friends. We need to get going. And here's the thing again, if you're hearing this and you're, you're, the enemy's trying to sow seeds in your mind, maybe you hear this in your. You're just kind of dull about it. You go, you know what? I don't really care. I don't really care what happens to the world. Well, guess what? That's something else to repent of. And I'll just remind you, here's all I'll say to you about that. You don't care about what happens to the world because you're with Jesus, you're saved. Guess what? Jesus cared what happened to you. Jesus didn't have to come to you, but he did. Are we then gonna say, well, I don't need to have that heart. I don't think so. I think we need to have it. Plus, he already said, I'm sending you. So just saying. We already. I'm just, I'm just delivering you the mail, right? Okay. Maybe the enemy is sowing seeds into you right now of you're fearful. Man, I'm just afraid to speak out. I'm just afraid to put myself up because what might happen? I'll remind you, you have the Holy Spirit. And we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control and a sound mind. Step out and be faithful. It's his power that works through you. It's not about you. Okay, we gotta get over ourselves. Maybe, maybe you say, well, I'm too busy to do this. Ouch. I think Jesus knew when he said that, that we're all busy. I don't think that's foreign concept to him. I don't think that's a surprise to him. So I think if we're gonna honor that might mean we got to shuffle our priorities a bit isn't that the whole thing about Jesus being your Lord and your master he comes first his will be done his priorities ought to be my priorities it's not that in order to be engaged in the world you've automatically got to just abandon everything that you do might as well quit your job and no 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 it's as you go As you live the life you live, yeah, maybe you've got to change and shift things a little bit. But we can't use the busy excuse. Come on, come on. That's not gonna cut it either. I just wanna rebuke the enemy for all of the bad seed that he does try to scatter in the church about why we shouldn't disciple other people, why we shouldn't share our faith, share the gospel. We just rebuke him because that's a lie. We have it. The world needs it. And we need to go. We need to do it. Jesus is sending us. And if the church is to rise up and do this, I'm not just rose-colored glasses here, friends. The Jesus that I believe in is able to do something through that. The Jesus that you and I believe in is able to save people still today as he was when you got saved. The Jesus that I believe in It's almost like I read something that he's able to do more than we ask, think, or even imagine. So let's rise up. Let's do this thing that Jesus has clearly laid in our path to do. Let's quit making excuses. Let's quit being fearful. Let's just do it. And here's what I'll say as I start to wrap this up. This isn't your motivation for doing this, but there's good things that will happen in you as well if you do this. Right? I'm not saying do this just so you can get the good from it yourself. No, get over yourself. But I'm saying that when we really make this our business, some of the people that I know who are the best disciples that I've ever met, I hear routinely from them what a blessing it is to be involved in it. Because you're coming alongside real people, important people, people that God created and loves. You get to have, make an investment in their life. You get to make an impact on their eternal life. You get to build them up and help them get from point A to point B. You get to be a part of all of that, and that feels good. It's a joy. I can't think of too many things that would yield greater joy than knowing that I got to have an impact on someone's eternal life. Hello? Hello? I can't think of very many joys that are are greater than knowing, hey, this thing that I'm doing and spending my time and my effort on, this is God's will for me. I'm in his pathway of blessing. That's good for us. So in all that, if we're gonna navigate this terrain of being citizens of heaven and being citizens that live in a corrupt culture, It's a both and. We've gotta be in the world, but not of the world. We gotta start by making sure that we're walking with Jesus ourselves, spending time in that relationship, abiding in him, investing in it. And we also need to be engaged in the world, coming alongside, sharing with others, doing life with others, pouring into others. Yes, you have something to offer. Yes, you can do it, because you have the Holy Spirit.